Hi, this is Bannon Backus before the show, and I just want to say that I hope everyone is continuing to do as well as is possible during this pandemic. Still not used to saying that. Uh, I hope that all of you who are remaining at home are taking care of yourselves, and a big thank you to those of you who are having to continue to go to work, whether you're helping to provide meals or providing health care or involved in anything else that's essential. We really appreciate everything that you're doing, so thank you. Also, really quickly before the show, I want to remind everyone to be sure to follow The Gone Show on Facebook. The other week, a video of our own Jay Stewart wishing everyone well was posted on the page. And right now, you can go to the page and vote on your favorite commercial from the first five episodes of The Gone Show. And the commercial that receives the most votes will have a picture made of that product or service for everyone to enjoy. So be sure sure to check that out and vote and be sure to enjoy this episode of the gone show take care and as always thank you so much for listening welcome to the gone show the show where my guests and i explore anything and anyone that is now gone or might as well be our topic for tonight has its ups and downs but just the same we'll be talking about elevator operators And now, joining the world and beyond from the Gone Show studio in the American Midwest, the host of the Gone Show, Bannon Backus. Good evening, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Gone Show. With me tonight are Jay Stewart, John Mad Jack Mitten, and Conroy Pike. For those joining us for the first time, Jay is a brain in a jar. It's very good to be here once again. John passed away in the United Kingdom in 1834 and now manifests himself as an oversized mouth and mustache. Greetings, felicitations, etc., etc. As eloquent as always, John, thank you. And last but not least, Conroy is known to many as the world's greatest courier. It's good to be back. How is everyone? I'm doing well. That's good to hear. Uh, Aside from the need to replace a relay for my neural containment system, everything has been just dandy on my end. I would die all over again if it meant that the infernal machine keeping me alive would experience a relay failure. Uh... Everything okay, John? Yes, is everything all right, John? I I would never wish a relay failure on my worst enemy. I've just been feeling a tad restless, don't you know? You know, after our episode about Bob Ross, I've enjoyed watching reruns of his television show quite frequently, and it always relaxes me. Have you tried watching Bob Ross? Bob Ross, if you knew half of the things that I did when I was still alive, not only would you instantly grow hair, but it would come with a perm. You, I need a little more in my life than a placid painter. To quote Cecil Beaton, perhaps the world's second worst crime is boredom. The first is being a bore. And for whatever it might be worth, John, I would never consider you to be a bore. 
What sorts of things do you do when you're not here, John? Do I don't know. Wander around, mostly. Occasionally, I'll cause a fright or two. I have to assume that, as a spirit, you have powers over time and space that we, the living, can only dream of. Maybe you should explore your abilities a bit more. I said that I occasionally scare the socks off people. What more do you want from me? I don't know. Maybe you could do something a bit more constructive. Maybe you could get a hobby. You know, you don't have to just watch Bob Ross's program. You can also paint along with him. Are you having a laugh, you complicated crockpot? John, he's just trying to help. How about after we've recorded this episode, we stick around the studio and come up with some ideas of things that you can do? I could make that work. I can make up some time on the road with a shortcut or two. Do fine. But if anyone even mentions painting, that person is going to be my new best friend in the afterlife. Perfect. Sounds like a plan. Now, unless there's a need for any additional life coaching, we'll move on to... Tonight's topic, which is elevator operators. In your opening, did you already make a pun about ups and downs? Yeah, sorry. No, no worries. I just wanted to avoid any repetition for the listeners. It's fortunate that there's not more overlap in the material carefully crafted by each of you comedic giants. Remind us when we meet later, John. Maybe you could enroll in an interpersonal communication course at a community college. I'll try not to take that interpersonally. Cute. And moving on, for those who might not already know, an elevator operator is simply someone who manually controls an elevator to deliver passengers to the different floors of a building. It just so happens that there was an elevator operator employed at the building where I opened my first branch of offices. So that would have been in the 1950s, right? Yes. And that timing makes perfect sense. Uh, as a matter of fact, speaking of timing, I should probably share a bit of the history of the elevator as we know it, uh, which I came across while researching elevator operators. In 1854, Elisha Otis, the founder of the Otis Elevator Company, demonstrated his invention of an improved elevator at a World's Fair. And that invention was a game changer because it incorporated a safety mechanism that would prevent the elevator's platform from falling a dangerous distance in the event of the hoisting cable breaking. The likelihood of which is what had largely prevented passenger elevators from being widely adopted by the public. And sure enough, Otis's company became successful shortly after that. To paraphrase a popular adage attributed to Ralph Waldo Emerson, Build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. I'm sure that this Mr. Otis was a perfectly agreeable chap, but it sounds like he robbed a lot of people in a lot of buildings of a lot of excitement. That is one way of looking at it. Uh, 
Sorry, Jay, I might have cut you off. Did you have anything to add about the elevator operator who you mentioned? Well, she was the first elevator operator who I interacted with on a regular basis, and truth be told, she may have been the best in the business. Hey, woman, my mood is improving already. Do tell. She was an extraordinary multitasker. While maintaining pleasant conversation, she was able to smoothly control the speed of the elevator, and she somehow always managed to perfectly line up the floor of the elevator car and the floors of the building on the first try. And for those who like specifics, an elevator operator controlled his or her elevator with something called a rheostat lever. These are not the details that I was hoping for. All right. Well, we need to take a quick break. The Gone Show will be right back. We at Mushroom Motors appreciate the trust that the drivers of our nuclear-powered cars have placed in us. That's why, after the recent explosion of one of our isotope sedans that destroyed a small Midwestern town, we are committed to regaining your trust. The design flaw of the proprietary thorium-fueled nuclear reactor that drives each of our automobiles has been identified and corrected. Rest assured, you can now rely on each and every one of our vehicles to deliver reliable, explosion-free performance. Despite recent events, we at Mushroom Motors remain confident in the use of nuclear reactors for everyday transportation. What happened is in the past, but we continue to look forward. So visit your nearest Mushroom Motors dealer today and experience the future. Mushroom Motors still the nuclear option. (coughs) Facial tissues. They rip, they tear, and worst of all, they are unsanitary. And for nearly 100 years, they were the best option available for blowing your nose. Until now. Introducing the Snout Sucker. The next time that you need to blow your nose, Grab the patented Snout Sucker Base, which contains a near-silent motor designed to create a strong but gentle vacuum that is delivered to a plastic reservoir molded to fit securely around the most commonly sized and proportioned adult noses. With the reservoir around your nose, simply press the button on the base to activate the vacuum and blow, just as you would into an inferior facial tissue. When done, simply dispose of the used biodegradable reservoir and replace it on the base with a new one. It's that easy. Remember, don't blow, suck, with the snout sucker. The snout sucker. Another absolutely necessary product from Roncon. Welcome back to the Gone Show. Welcome back. This is the Gone Show. We've been talking about elevator operators tonight, and tonight my guests are Jay Stewart, John Mitten, and Conroy Pike. 
Now, Jay, right before the break, you mentioned a female elevator operator having been employed at a building in which your offices were located, and that reminded me of an article that I read prior to tonight's episode. It says that many elevator operators were women, and as the faces of different companies, they were also expected to provide excellent customer service. As someone familiar with the delivery industry, I can say that it is not unusual to to receive special instructions regarding the care of your cargo. That makes sense. For instance, that same article states that the elevator operators who worked at the Marshall Fields in Chicago were expected to have attended charm school. As if one could learn charm from a school. The rest of us just have to fake it. Not everyone has the benefit of your natural talents, John. That's very true. Conroy, do you happen to remember one of the more unusual sets of instructions that you were given regarding the care of your cargo? Because of tonight's topic, I'm reminded of a time in the late 1990s when I was hired to deliver a shipment of computer games to a trade show. And what's the connection between computer games and tonight's topic? Well, the computer game that I was delivering was an elevator operator simulator. Elevator operator simulator. Yes, sir. The game is called Going Up. It's played through a first-person perspective. With it, you're able to choose from one of three slightly different-looking elevators to operate and then use that elevator to deliver the occasional passenger to a different floor of a building. I don't mean any offense, but that sounds really, really, really boring. Yes, sir. I was given a copy to play, and it was not too long before I abandoned my post, so to speak. Did you ever get a chance to ask the people behind the game just what it is that they were thinking when they created it? The owner of the company, which went bankrupt shortly after the trade show, said that he thought boring was going to be the new exciting in the computer game industry. Well, if he had been correct about that, it sounds like he would have become filthy rich. Most likely. As a matter of fact, in anticipation of his success with the elevator operator simulator, he told me that he had already begun to program an escalator ride simulator for younger players. For younger players, because an escalator need not be operated by users. Yes, sir. So what was the special instruction you were given regarding the delivery of those games? Even though the creator of the game was optimistic, he was somewhat superstitious. So he paid me an additional $20 to kiss each copy of the game before delivery. I had no idea you had such lucky lips. I was just starting out as a courier and I needed the extra money. So I agreed. But I don't think that I'd agree to such a request today. But I am uncertain as to how large of a role pride would play in that decision. To quote George Bernanos, It's a fine thing to rise above pride but you must have pride in order to do so. Do you happen to remember the name that was going to be given to the escalator ride simulator? I believe he said that it was going to be called Going Up To Escalators. That makes sense. Well, as we begin to wind things up, we should probably talk a little about one of the primary causes of the reduction in the number of elevator operators. Let me guess. A lack of uplifting conversation? Funny, but wrong. Uh, no, according to my research in... 
1945, there was a strike by elevator operators in New York. As a consequence, one and a half million people who worked in offices were unable to get to work, and the strike also resulted in a loss of 100 million tax dollars. 100 million dollars is a great deal of money, especially in 1945. Right, so owners of tall buildings worked to change the operation of your typical elevator. And that's when they invented an elevator that didn't require an operator. Not exactly. Uh, based upon the research I conducted, an elevator that did not require an operator was already available in 1900. The issue was that when those types of automated elevators first appeared around the turn of the last century, they made people uncomfortable. Apparently, around the time of 1900, when most people encountered those automated elevators, instead of using them on their own, they'd abandon the elevators and try to find elevator operators to assist them. I'm reminded of a quote by Rudyard Kipling. Funny how the new things are the old things. And just how did they get people to stop being such pussycats? Well, based upon what I've read, uh, instructions on how to use automated elevators were played over speakers when passengers entered. Uh, in addition, printed advertising that showed children pushing buttons in an elevator, which demonstrated the elevator's ease of operation, uh, was circulated. Also, mirrors were added to elevators to alleviate some of the loneliness brought about by the absence of elevator operators. I must admit, whenever I stood in front of a mirror, I would always feel better. When I catch a glimpse of myself in a motel mirror after 14 hours straight of driving, there are times when I wish that I had your confidence. Oh, John's not talking about confidence. He's talking about arrogance. Jesus crumpet Christ! That's it? By Jove! What? What are you talking about? I was just imagining myself looking in a mirror back when I was still alive, and then I looked around and saw all of you sad sacks, and it hit me. I'm thinking of hitting you. I'm talking about my afterlife's purpose. Do you remember your inane remarks about charm school earlier? Inane? No. Well, I do. And I, John Mitten, am going to start a charm school for the rampant, knuckle-dragging men of today. You want us to be more like you? Yes, but not as much as you want to be more like me. Great googly moogly. You finally lost it. I can teach young chaps how to decide between an ascot tie and a day cravat. How to locate a dance hall that allows patrons to dance the waltz. And, of course, how to talk to a lovely lady. John, I can see that you're excited, but... Preparations must be made, and there's not a moment to lose. The young men of this dreadfully uncivilized time need me. Fair warning, I'm much too excited to wander off before I dematerialize and instantaneously transport myself elsewhere. And I've found that when I do that, it results in a considerable discharge of ectoplasm. So, John, my apologies. Oh my. What the hell? Damn it. It's hard to be too upset when given the chance to experience such an unusual sensation. It feels like being covered in 
vibrating petroleum jelly. Son of a bitch! The entire studio is ruined. Would one of you be so kind as to wipe the slime away from my optical sensors? Conroy, would you mind? Of course. Thank you, Conroy. That's much better. Look at this place. It, it's covered in slime. Everything. Oh, Jesus, the smell. I believe it smells like a potpourri of old scrambled eggs and a clogged bathtub drain. I hope that you don't think less of me, but I've taken the liberty of deactivating my olfactory unit. This is ridiculous. I'm going to kill him. I don't care. I'm going to find a way to kill him. Uh, I'll get a hold of my housekeepers right away, and we'll get this taken care of. No one will ever know that John exploded in the studio. All right, listeners, Jay Conroy, I apologize. I, I don't know what to say at the moment. We just need to bring this episode to a close. Until next time, good evening and good gone. Oh, for fuck's sake, it's on the fucking ceiling, too? The Gone Show was produced, created, performed, and written by Bannon Backus. The Gone Show is a presentation of BoomTube, B-O-O-M-T-O-O-B. All rights are reserved. Visit BoomTube online at BoomTube.com and Facebook.com slash BoomTube Network.